once a year, at the beginning of the year, I take some time, in fact, take the whole message, the whole sermon, and just do a little reflection with us as a congregation, looking back as to where we have been in 2016, for example. And it also gives me an opportunity just to reiterate and to share with us our Radiant Church vision. And then it gives me an opportunity to just look ahead. So we look at who we are, where we've been, and then by God's grace, by God's favor, where do we plan to be? What are our goals? What are our objectives uh, for the upcoming year in 2017? Uh, next week, we're going to pick up with a study. I'm excited about it, uh, a new book study in the Word of God. I'll talk more about that in a moment. But for now, there's a couple of verses I want to highlight as we, as we begin today our message. It's out of the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah chapter 29 is one of the most known passages of Scripture in the Old Testament because of verses 11, 12, and 13, for I know the plans that I have for you. Remember those verses? Well, we're going to look at them today, and we're going to go back and look, first of all, at verse 7 and what that verse teaches us about, really about the people of God. And so I, I want to read these verses to you, and I hope that God speaks to you as He spoke to me four times. God is going to use a particular word, a word of wholeness, uh, an integer word, a word of completeness, and it is the Hebrew word shalom. And that word, all of us know a little bit of Hebrew, amen, we know hallelujah means praise the Lord, and we know shalom means what? Anybody? It means peace. And so the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, as God speaks to the captives, He's speaking to the captives, those who have been taken in captivity to Babylon. And they are there, they're out of their homeland of Jerusalem and, and Judea and Judah, and they are in a foreign place. And it is known as the 70 years of Babylonian captivity. And God sent them there out of His chastisement, out of His rebuke. They repeatedly broke His commandments, and they did not do what God told them to do. We repeatedly, prophet after prophet, reminded them, I mean, waved their arms in the air and said, please, O oh Judah, turn, return to the Lord. And they did not. And so God is always true to His Word. He promises to bless if we obey and, and be obedient. And he promises to chastise if we disobey. So now they find themselves in Babylon, and they're not coming out anytime soon. In fact, God tells them, says, listen, seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for that city. For in its peace, in the peace of the city, you will have peace. So three times... In verse 7, God tells Jeremiah, Shalom, seek the peace of the city to where I have placed you, because in the prosperity of that city, in that country of Babylon, will be the prosperity of you. Now, I'm going to fast forward to verse 11. Now, it's in the same context where God tells Jeremiah, he says, For I, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, there's our word again. Thoughts of shalom and wholeness, completeness. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me. God says, you will call upon me and you'll go and pray to me. And I, as a faithful and awesome God that I am, I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Now, I heard this past uh, year somebody made a statement as they were preaching out of an Old Testament text. It was so powerful, and it was like it just elucidated. It just clarified in my mind what I often felt, but I could not verbalize in the Old Testament. When, the, when this preacher said, this passage of Scripture 
was not written to you, but it is written for you. You get that? This was not written to us. We're not uh, Jerusalem in 580 C when they are taken captive and transported, deported to another land, a foreign land. Because of God's judgment upon Jerusalem, they, they left. I mean, they had to leave. They were placed, displaced. And God spoke to them in that foreign land of Babylon, and he said, now, for peace to prevail upon you, you've got to pray for the peace of the city, and you've got to, you've got to put down roots where I have played. Now, that's not us. We, we're, we are, by the way, I don't know if you checked lately, we're, we're in Austin, Texas. And by the way, praise God we are. I, I love our city. I love where God has placed us. So it wasn't written to us directly, but look at this, the, the dynamic equivalents and the principles contained therein are easily applied to us by the Spirit of God as the man of God proclaims the Word of God to the people of God, and we go out and do the work of God. And so it is written for us. So what is it saying to us? Here's what I, I just really believe God has put on my heart to share with you, at least at the very beginning of this message, that God is a sovereign God. Acts 17 says he, he, He's so sovereign that he places you within the very boundaries, the very cities, the very locales that he wants you to be. He could have you anywhere on this planet that he wanted you, but God wanted you right where he has you, and that happens to be in Austin, Texas in 2017. And I, by the way, I love the fact that we are here. I love the fact that God has placed us and placed our radiant church right here in the heart of this great city to illuminate, to be a beacon, to be a light to all the city, and, and, to, and really to shine from here to all the nations that our God is an awesome God. So I'm grateful that we are uh, where we are for such a time as this, to be the people of God where he, has, where he has placed us to be. Now, is our city perfect? No, it's not. Our city is very imperfect in, in many ways. Um, but this is, a, this is a great city. I'm I'm just reminded of how I've never been in a city where so many of the pastors love one another and get along with each other and collaborate to help pray for the prosperity and the peace of Austin so that it would be well with its inhabitants. And I'm just, I'm just so grateful to God for what I see God doing in Austin, Texas, as it really has become really one of the leading strategic cities. Did you know that people are fumbling over themselves to get here. You look at the top 10 list, almost every top 10 list, Austin, Texas is somewhere up in the top two or three, number one, for the cities to prosper and to do well economically, and number two, it is a great place to raise your family. So you and I should be really grateful to God that we're not abandoned, that God has not jettisoned us or, or chastised us to place us here in Austin, but he's placed us here. Listen, I, I don't know how else to say it because God's just blessing you, and he's blessing me. So I want to encourage you with that, and I want to just use this text to just kind of say, God, thank you for putting us here. Now help us be the people you want us to be here and the church that you want us to be so that it goes well with our city and the peace of God reigns upon it and reigns upon us in turn. So there are three things. Number one, I want to look with you at kind of who we are. Who are we of all the churches and all the people in the city of Austin, and I get the statistics, and, and, and I understand 
that upward of 90%, some say it's even higher than 90% of Austinites do not attend church on a typical Sunday morning. And I, and I get that. I hope it's less than that. I really do. But I understand that by and large, our church, like many mega cities, like many metropolitan areas, they are very unchurched. And by the way, that's why God's got us here. And God wants us to be a radiant light, a blast of hope and encouragement to collaborate with all these other like-minded uh, churches so that we can come together and be strong and we can do things like love where you live and explore God and tear down the walls and do those things that we have to collaborate and we have to come together because we're so much stronger. And, and I'm seeing this so vividly, so clearly. We're so much stronger as we link arms with one another than when we are separated and ostracized from one another. So who are we? Well, we are a part of the body of Christ. We are the church in Austin. We are a radiant church that seeks to make disciples of Jesus Christ who will go and make more disciples, who will make more disciples until Jesus comes. Now, the key word there is that word radiant. And I love that word. Y'all know, you've heard me, this is the seventh time I've preached a message like this that God has called us to be a doxa church. The Greek word there in Ephesians 5, 27 when it says to be a radiant church, by the way, that's a great name to call your church. I mean, it's very biblical. It's right out of the Word of God. To be a doxa. Hey, by the way, we could call us the doxa church of Austin. You didn't think you like Austin? You don't think you like radiant? How about that word, the doxa church of Austin? No, 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 I'm not that strange. I am strange, but doxa means doxology. The root word of doxa is doxology, where you get the word to, to give praise, to give radiance to God. And so God has presented her to himself that we as the people of God would be a doxa church, a radiant church. Watch, watch this, I love this. Without stain, without wrinkle, without any other blemish, but that we could be a holy and blameless people of God. And that, that, that verse just has always especially in the last 10 years or so, this verse has just come to mean so very much to me that it encapsulates who we are to be, or at least who the church that I'm serving and I'm pastoring. I want it to be because it just, it just, it just captures really who I am as a person. I, I want to be a radiant follower of Christ where I myself am leading people to Christ and I am discipling those that I lead to Christ and I want to be... that. <laughs> Have y'all ever heard this phrase, you know, that the church takes on the personality of the pastor? I'm telling you what, there are some things that scare me, and that scares me. I mean, what if everybody took on your personality? Well, you go, ooh, man, I understand what you're talking about now. That is a frightening, harrowing thought. But it is true. And so for my idiosyncrasies, but also for my passions, that if I'm the pastor here of this church, I have to be who I am and I have to preach the Word of God as I understand it, and I have to live the kind of life that He's calling me to live. And if I am doing that in a way that pleases God, then praise the Lord. Then we take upon that personality of being a radiant church that makes disciples who make more disciples until Jesus comes. And the way we do that is we worship God with passion, and we teach His Word in devotion, and then we go and we share the message of the gospel. Now think about it like this. And Y'all have heard me say this a gazillion times. And I want to say it a gazillion times over. And I understand that. And I can say this till I'm blue in the face. And I can say it every Sunday. And some still won't completely get it. 
But I've got to say it. I've got to say it over and over. Radiant Church, we worship God, we study His Word, and then we take what we know, and we take who we are, and we replicate it. We duplicate it. And so look at it like this. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, if you are a person who is studying the Word of God daily, and by the way, that has a wonderful New Year's resolution. If you haven't gotten one, let me give you one. Study God's Word every day. Just take just a few moments every day. Don't be, a, a, don't be legalistic. Don't be so hard on yourself. You say, well, if I can't get up and read 20 chapters, you know, and read the genealogies every day, then I'm just a awful Christian. Well, I'm an awful Christian too because I don't get up and read the genealogies for an hour every day, but I do read God's Word. And by the way, I read a chapter of Proverbs every single day just to nourish my soul. So think of it like this. You're reading the Bible every morning or maybe at your lunch break, or maybe in the evening time, whenever you're most alert. And then on Sunday, you're coming together and you're worshiping God. You're standing and you're singing praise to God. And we're being the church. We're, we're individuals that have come together, and now we form this band of brothers, this band of sisters. And as we've been studying the Word of God and reading it privately, now we're doing it corporately and publicly. And what does that do to us? Well, it encourages us. It motivates us. It causes us to be more of the kind of people that God wants us to be, a kind of people that loves Him and that He's not tertiary or He's not on the fringe of our lives, but He's core and He's central and He's vital to who we are and everything that we do. And so get this picture in your mind. Every day you get up and you study the Word of God and you read it, maybe just for a few minutes. You're reading the Bible, you're praying, and then on Sunday you come. And you're in your connect group class and you're, you're under the teaching of God's word. And so what you have here is worship and discipleship. And that's so important. I mean, it's vitally important. Church is much, much more than a gathering place of fellowship. And it's more, way more than, than maybe some coming to hear somebody or to see somebody. It's coming to meet God in worship and, and being devoted to Him and being passionately in love with Him so that we are, we're, we're worshiping Him and studying His Word. Now watch this. And then we go and live the life He wants us to live. That's basic Christianity, Ecclesiology 101. Worship, discipleship evangelism and missions and ministry and service. And here's something I've learned in 52 years of living. I have learned this, that if I'm not worshiping God and if I'm not studying his word, you can forget about witnessing and missions and evangelism and ministry and service. Those things will not happen unless, first of all, I'm deeply rooted in the word of God, studying him, loving him, feasting on his word, and then I go and only then will I go and share my faith. So who we are, we, this is who we are. Next week when we start studying the book of Nehemiah, I, I've already prepared this message. In fact, Friday and Saturday, I've been just pouring over, over this sermon. And, and, and I'm, I'm kind of laughing at myself, but God's like, don't laugh at yourself. I made you that way. And we all got strangeness about us. We all got idiosyncrasies and and weirdness about us, you know. But, and I'm just kind of chuckling at myself yesterday going, God, I love this stuff. I love the Word of God. I, I love the Hebrew. I love the history. And, and, and Lord, I think I might run the risk of boring them a little bit. And God said, don't worry about that. Give them the Word. Give them the history. Give them the background. Because most churches don't provide that. 
Most churches provide a a rah-rah, a show, a personality larger than life, lots of singing, lots of jumping up and down, and, and praise God for them, and may the Lord bless them in their work. That's just not us. That's just not me. I am a student, theologian of the Word of God, and I'm going to study it deep, and I'm going to give it to you because I want to see you flourish. I want to see you grow in your walk with God. And so that's what I do, and that's what I provide for you, and that's, that's who I am. And I can't, I can't change. This leopard can't change his spots. That's who I am as a preacher, teacher of the Word of God. So that's who, a little bit of who I am. It's a little bit of who we are. Hello, Rug. Let me fix you right quick. It's all good. Y'all can't see it over there, but it was looking like this. And when you got ADD, you fix stuff. You just, you fix, you fix things, all right? Fix it. And while I'm here, why don't I fix this? Some water. Okay. Number two, where have we been as a church? In 2016, we have been on a ride. We have been very, very busy as a church. Uh, I was just thinking, uh, over the last few weeks, we've ordained new men of God pastors to the gospel ministry. We have ordained new deacons to the diaconate. We have brought on new staff. We brought on children's director in Sharon Irwin. We brought on a new missions director in Becky Dean. We have brought on new uh, admin, administrative personnel like uh, Denise Gonzalez and like Hillary Hogan. We just brought on her. And it dawned on me that the one common theme that all four of these ladies have is they all come from within our church. And I was reading the other day that if you ever get to the point in your life and in your ministry where you can actually begin to hire from within, Lindsay hired you from within, then that is a good thing because those people already understand your vision. They're already satisfied customers. They already get it. And I understand you hire from without. You have to. There are times where you have to and hope Hopefully this year we'll have to do it one or two times because of expansion of ministries and so forth. But this is kind of where we've been. We've been busy, and God has been blessing us, and I'm grateful. For something else we did was this CrossFit ministry, which, uh, praise the Lord, we, we, for eight weeks we, we got in a little bit of spiritual shape, and we learned a new gospel witness presentation, and, and, and God has blessed that. In fact, I was reading just right before Christmas, Susan Murray sent me an email, and I want to read this email to you, and uh, it just encouraged me, and I think it will encourage you as a church to hear some of these stories. And by the way, we, macro, we are a radiant church. We worship, disciple, and we evangelize and go on mission. But on a micro level, how does that break down? How do you do that? We, we pray for one another. We care for one another. We share with others. And we celebrate as a congregation. And I, for one, can do a better job of celebrating, of of just kind of taking a breath and and including you in. You know what? I believe this is of the Lord. It it convicted me. I don't know if God ever convicts you. (laughs) He convicts me. And and it's almost like, Pastor, brother, you're really good at telling the church the needs and the problems, but you're not so good of telling the church of the great things that I'm doing in your midst. I'm glad y'all didn't say amen real loud because I would, I would just I'd be like, man, I know, I know, but it, it's true. I, I, I'm kind of wired that way. I, I'm, I'm, I want to share it with you. I want to go and remedy it and move forward. But sometimes, staff, let's hold each other accountable on this. We're about to go on a retreat for a few days. Let's hold each other accountable on this. Let's celebrate the good work of God. Let's be quick to tell the people of God what 
what God has done, what we see, and oftentimes it's just us who see it. Let's do a better job of communicating. And here's the letter. It says, wow, tonight at Northgate Apartments. It was an amazing opportunity to see God at work. Our team, this was our plan, to take the five crosses, the tract, the Gospel of John and hot chocolate, packets with candy canes, attached and visit the families of kids who come to Tuesday night. Well, our entry was to say that we get to share Jesus with your kids every Tuesday. And this evening, we are here to share Jesus with the whole family. Y'all understand what's going on? There's a group in our church. They go every Tuesday night, and they minister to some poor, indigent folks here in our community. And they love on their kids, and they minister to them. So they just took this idea. Why don't we take the Gospel of John... And why don't we take this gospel track that our pastor has written, we of a church has gone through it, and why don't we take some candy canes, amen, everybody loves candy, and let's just go into every home. And our entry will be, listen, you have allowed us to speak to your kids, now we want to speak to you, and here's what we want to say, and here's what they did. We had rapt attention in every home we entered, miraculous. Every family we went to was home miraculous. Every family invited us in, and the miracles go on and on. We shared the five crosses. For those who are not Great Hills members, this is a tract developed by our pastor that uses visuals to make the gospel story clear. We gave out the gospels of John. We gave out candy canes. And we prayed with every single family because everybody was home. Everybody received us really well. And she closes her email this way. Wow, praise God. That's, that's exciting. That's, that's being a radiant church. That's being a satisfied customer. Somebody who gets the vision and the passion of this pastor in this church and then goes. And really the barometer of success is... Are we going? Are we doing those kind of things? And by the way, we are. And I'm going to share some more of them with you even now. Next thing I want to share is we had another great year of giving, paying off our debt. We did not miss a house payment. Did you? (laughs) Did any of y'all miss a house payment this past year? Well, if you did, that's no fun. I understand. That's no fun. And we didn't. $56,000, $57,000 every month for 12 months, $680,000. We paid the bank, we paid our note, and that is an accomplishment in any year. And so we give God praise for that. The last year, we also made strides in raising money for our building vision. This is a five-year campaign to raise extra dollars to help make some remodels and some upgrades on our on our facility. God has blessed blessed us with a great facility, but it is an aging facility. And it constantly needs care and attention and some little TLC. And and we did that. And we launched this in August of 2015. And within a year and five months, we raised all the money. $1.2 million plus dollars. We're through with building vision phase one. And, And in addition to paying our building and our note, And in addition to that, we also raised in excess of a million dollars, and you're enjoying it. You're enjoying it as I speak. Here's how I know people are are satisfied, because they don't complain. Nobody's complained about the sound and the visual in the worship center. It's like a seventh grader. Listen, a seventh grader is going to come to church, and they're not going to tell you, I just love you. You're an amazing teacher. I just think you're so awesome. They they praise you by being there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's the way some of you are. You're happy and you're satisfied because it's not blaring. You hear well. You see well. And that was $680,000, by the way. I know. We got a big house. Amen. It cost a lot. 
And so thank you, Brother Terry, and all of our worship team, and our, and our video, and AV, and our audio folks. God bless you. We did the flooring out there. It's beautiful. It's going to be much easier to maintain. The coffee shop looks good. The entry to Building C looks amazing. We paid cash. Praise the Lord for all of that. Cash for all of it we did. Thank you, Lord. Some other things we, we did. We finished 2016 a whole lot better financially than we thought we would. Last year, we finished $16,000 uh, in, in the red, meaning we spent $16,000 more uh, than we took in. And I know that's, that's hard. I know it's not, that's tough. We, we, came, we came close. But this year, yeah, I remember telling you that this year would be a hard year. At 15, we spent 16000 more than we took in. And I, I've been telling you that 16 is going to be hard, and 17 is probably going to be even harder. And here's what God did. We brought in $468,000 more than we spent last year. You, you, you. <laughs> and some of you are like, I don't believe it. Well, you need to believe it. Almost a half a million dollars more we brought in than we spent. Now, it helps. A couple of guys sold some businesses, and God really blessed them, and God blessed us through them, and you were very faithful in your giving, and others were just very generous and gracious toward us. So we, we sit here looking back, and that's what I'm doing, by the way. We're looking back on 16, some of the victories, some of the blessings that God provided, and that is one big one for sure. We hosted the Southern Baptist of Texas annual convention. And that was no small feat, by the way. And I have heard from the executive director himself. And he made this statement publicly. And he said, in the 18 years, that was, by far, that was the best convention we ever had. Thank you for being such a great host church. Thank you, Great Hills. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We continued, we made much strides in our missions ministry with our unengaged, unreached people group in South Asia. 24 ministries are being supported through our missions ministry as I speak. We have been all over the world, praise God. December the 4th, you watched as many of our people with Becky up here on the stage gave testimony after testimony of the cities, states, nations, and the world that we went to. As far as missions and giving, I'm so proud to say this to you. Is that okay to say I'm proud? I'm proud in a good way. It's not an arrogance, but it's a proud, a praising God and bragging on you kind of moment. Uh, we as a church gave to missions causes, both personally in missions ministry, $153,000, and as a church in the cooperative program ministry, $209,000 for a total of about $360,000 to missions. And, and church, that is, that is phenomenal. You know what that does? That places our church right at the top 10 of 2,600 churches in the entire state of Texas. And I just I praise God for that. In fact, we came in 11th last year, but, but, well, two years ago. But this year, I would not be surprised if we cracked the top 10 of 2,600 churches. And by the way, there are a whole lot more Southern Baptist churches running more than eight and 900 on a Sunday. I promise you that. And so thank you, Lord. Thank you for the 7% that we gave directly to the cooperative program. And look at, look at this. The cooperative program, by the way, 
funds things like international missionaries, North American missions. It funds all of our six seminaries. And we as a church, listen, you ought to take great pride in this. As a Southern Baptist, we are blessing the convention, and we are blessing the work of God all over the world. And we as a church, just to the International Mission Board, was over $100,000. And that is to our international missionaries through our Lottie Moon, through our cooperative program we have given over $100,000. That is absolutely staggering to me, and I'm grateful to God that we were able to do it. Well, what else have we done? Well, quickly, and I'll wrap this part up, and forgive me because I know I'm going to leave somebody off and some ministry off, but our Radiant Friends ministry to Alzheimer's patients continues to go very strong. James and Barbara Cross, God bless you. That will always be a very special place in my heart because my mom, she went on to be with Jesus, and she got her new mind. She got her right mind two years ago, and so it's always going to be a special, dear place in my heart. So thank you. Thank you for, and by the way, if you haven't seen that ministry in action on a Tuesday, you ought to go check it out because it is precious. It is beautiful to watch our people just loving on these folks who have Alzheimer's and dementia. And their caregivers go out in the city and they go shop or they just go take a break. And our people, our senior adult people, God bless them, they are ministering to them. And it went fantastic. Our homebound ministries, our widowed ministry, Miss Judy Stone and Felix, you're talking to me today about going over to one of the convalescent care homes and sharing the gospel and preaching. Praise the Lord, our Life Bridge ministry. 24 nations have come to Great Hills Baptist Church to learn English as a second language. And, and we as a church, we, we hosted that and we are continuing to host it and it continues to grow and grow and grow. And by the way, if I have not said this, and I don't think I have in a long time, let me say it again. There, there are going to be two types of churches who are going to make it in post-Christian America. Yeah, let me go a step further. There are going to be two types of churches. Two, there are going to be two types of churches in post-Christian and anti-Christian America. The more we go, there are going to be these two churches. There's going to be a church that's going to be very insulated. And it's going to very, be very concerned about the membership. And they're going to be very concerned about paying the bills and be very concerned just about them. And they will die. Those churches will die a slow, agonizing death because they, they're all within and they don't want to look without. No, no, don't worry about all those people. We got to take care of us. And then there's this going to be this kind of church where they're going to love their people, but they're going to challenge their people to say, get up, get out, minister to people, teach people how to read, go to the... Go to the apartment complexes. Go help the folks with Alzheimer's and, and go to the nations and preach the gospel. And by the way, those are the churches and the only kind of churches that will thrive. And yea, praise God, they will survive. Mark my words on that. There's are two types of churches. And I'm so glad our church is in this camp and not in the other camp. Some other things, grief classes, strong benevolence ministry, wonderful counseling ministry through Kyle Miller. Kyle's close. Praise the Lord. He's close to getting his PhD. And, and, and uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Wakefield, who's ministering in, in wonderful ways to our, to our women's ministry. So I could go on and on, but those are just the highlights. Let me, let me tell you a little bit of where we're going, and then we'll wrap it up. By God's grace and God's strength, here, here's where I see us going. Next week, we're going to Nehemiah. <laughs> we're just going to go right to the book. And we're going to start Nehemiah 1, 1. I had somebody come up to me a few months ago and said, Pastor, I sure wish you'd preach a series of messages on Nehemiah. 
And I treated that like I treat 90 plus percent of people who come up to me and say, Pastor, God told me you need to do this. And, I, and by the way, you can keep telling me that if you want to, but unless God tells me, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> okay. No, I'm serious. I, I get a, but, a bucket load, a boatload of people saying, God told me you need to do this. And God told me you need to, you need to do this. And here's what I do. I'm, t- I'm serious. I take it to God. And if God confirms it, then I'll do it. But if he doesn't, I'm not just in order to please you. Okay. But this one, this one landed. When he said, I, I think you ought to preach on Nehemiah, I just kind of smiled and said, God bless you, Austin. I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> I just, that's what I was thinking. And it's like, that's what I need to do. And so we're going to start with Nehemiah 1.1, and we're going to go through the whole book, and we're going to talk about what it means to be a godly leader according to this Old Testament character that has volumes to speak to us. So we'll start that next week. I hope you come. We're going to continue on with our connect groups, amen, public worship, discipleship groups, accountability groups. That's, that's who we are as a church. That's what we'll continue to do. Number two, we're going to focus more on the city. And this is what you heard me say earlier, that I'm grateful to God we're in the city of Austin. I, I will, if I make it in June, I will have been here seven years as a pastor, and I will have been serving two years with the Christ Together Greater Austin ministry. And it is such a wonderful, honorable thing that they've asked me to represent you to be a part of this team, and I'm so grateful to God to be a part of this team. It's a phenomenal team of pastors where we come together, we meet, we plan, we strategize, we pray for our city. But here's some of the things that they're involved in and we're involved in. Uh, One of them is Hope Clinic. And I want to take a minute and share with you about this because I don't think you know about this. And Gloria, if, if you, are you here? Would, would you let me see you for just a minute? Gloria, God bless you. There she is. All right, Gloria McPherson is here. She is the executive director of the Hope Clinic. The Hope Clinic is a clinic, a medical clinic, that opens up a couple of days a week to minister. Are y'all ready for this? To minister to refugees. Y'all know how many refugees are in our city? I didn't ask you if you liked it or not. That's not, that's not the question. They're here, and we, we have a, I, I believe to, before the Lord, if they are here and in our city, they're part of our city. And we need to minister. There's 12,000 of them. 12,000 refugees. And when they get here, the government takes care of their medical, medical needs. And don't quote me completely on this. I'm, I'm close. I may not be absolutely perfect on this. But after a few months, they say, good luck. And, and they're basically at the mercy of society. Well, Gloria, and she has a small team, and, and she's a physician's assistant. And they're meeting a couple of days a week. And I've asked Gloria to come. And she's here, and she's going to have a little booth, a little table out in the foyer. And if you're interested in helping in this ministry, go see her. Go talk to her. You say, well, brother, I'm not a doctor, and and I'm not a nurse. And let me tell you, one of the greatest mission trips I ever went on, I went on a a mission trip to Nepal, and I counted ibuprofen. I counted ibuprofen. I was in a medical clinic going, one, two. So if you can count, you can help. Gloria, is that all right? She said, amen. If you can count, you can help administration, loving people. Here's what they do. They meet the medical needs and they share the gospel with them. Most of them are Muslim. They share the gospel with these people. They come to our city. This is a wide open door. 
And so Christ together, we, we met about this, we, we discussed it, we've embraced it, and I've asked Glory to come January the 8th, she's here. Why don't you at least go by and tell her you're praying for her? You may want to help her financially. You may want to just volunteer, especially if you've got some nursing background, you've got some administrative skills. Let me, let me mention that one to you. Number two is education connection. Now, this one is dear to my heart because I actually did it for a year. I did it all last year. And I'm also one of two or three pastors in the city. Yeah, I guess I am. I'm, I lead this. I just kind of dawned on me. I'm, that's big. That's serious. And so they've asked me, the city has asked me, the leadership, would I be one of these two or three pastors who helps education connection in the city of Austin? And so I did it all last year. Many of you are doing it. And many of you, more of you need to do it. And some of you are looking at me like, well, I'd do it if you just tell me what it is. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Education connection. Well, let, let, me, let me paint this big picture for you and then back up and show you the importance of it. The big picture is this. The state of Texas, as well as the state of California, these two states that I do know, they determine how many beds are going to be in the state penitentiaries based on a piece of data. The data is, what is the reading levels of third graders in the public schools? Based on the reading levels of third graders in the public school, we will determine how many of them are going to be in prison. How many of them are going to not make it in society because they did not make it to read in the third grade? Listen, when I first heard that, I went, sign me up. And so for a year, I went over to Jollyville Elementary, and I read. And I just read with these kids. It's, it's so easy. It's so simple. You just read, and they read to you, and you make a friend. And so, can you read? Hmm? So you're like, no, I can't. I'm, I'm illiterate, brother. No, you're not. So why don't you help? Listen, senior adults are amazing at this. I've watched you, and I've watched some of you in our church do this. So Amy Hagan is the director. We have like 1,600 literacy partners We've got like, or 1,600 kids we're reading to, like 800 literacy partners. We're in almost 70 schools in the greater Austin area. And we as Christ together, we're, we're supporting this. We're raising up the troops of, of guys and gals who will go in the public schools. And by the way, they just opened the door, Rick. They opened the door. They said, well, we're, we're a Christ together. I don't care. Get in here. Well, we love Jesus. Good for you. Come on in. Read, just read to them. And it's amazing what God does in the relationship and what God does in their little minds as they learn to read. But hey, get this. A lot of them don't have any mom and dad to read to them, okay? That's the kicker. Many of them don't have a mom and dad that'll read to them. And so you kind of come in. So if you're interested, Ross, I know Ross Hartsfield, he'll help you. I'll help you. We'll connect you. That's education connection, okay? The next one is our own English as a second language, which, God bless y'all, Kathy, God bless y'all. Nancy Gibbs and Becky Lofton and, and y'all's team, Patty Moser, and I'm going to quit because I'm going to forget, there's, there's a whole bunch of you. How many of you, Nancy, how many of you are you doing that? How, what? Forty. Forty of our people are teaching people from all over the world how to read. Guess what they use as a textbook. Anybody want to just guess? The Bible. It's phenomenal. It's, 
it's one of the most exciting things going on at Great Hills Baptist Church, the Radiant Church. It's, it's this English as a second language, and you can help. You can do it. Men and women both, they need volunteers. Sign up. Let them, let them put you to work. Time out. Exhibit A, church. Exhibit B, church. This church will die. It will die a slow death. They will not be able to pay their bills because they're not going to reach out. They're going to be so insulated, so inculcated. It's all about me and mine and what I want. And then there's going to be this church. It's going to be that kind of church that I'm watching. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in partnership with these churches, Gateway and Hill Country and, 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 and oh, some of my brothers. I can't even remember some of their churches, some of the charismatic churches. They're just like this. They're like, man, we're going for it. We're going, to, we're going to challenge our people. We're going to get them out of the door and let them love on a lost and dying world. Terry, I'm so glad we're right here. I'm so glad we're right here. I'm so, praise God, preacher, I'm so glad we're right here and we're not over here because we die. If we stay here, we die. But if we get out of here and we give and we, we help and we serve and we sacrifice, let me tell you something, God honors that. God will God will honor that. We're going to continue our efforts um, to reach our people on the other side of the planet. One of the hardest things we, we will ever do. But in heaven, it'll probably be the most rewarded thing that we do. When a people who were not a people became the people of God on the other side of the planet because of the work you did and the work I'm doing. And it's hard, it's arduous, but we go and we sacrifice and we're gonna keep going. Becky, Mike, keep helping us. Let's keep going to them and also our strategic churches in um, Toronto and also in Burbank, California. Let's keep sending missions and teams to them. And we're gonna keep paying off our debt. And I know it's 12 o'clock, and I've still just got a couple more things I really, really need to share with you. But let me turn my microphone off and blow my nose, okay? Thank you. It's really brown, and I'll tell you why. No, it's not TMI. It's makeup, so there you go. That's all it is. It's just makeup. So we're going to keep paying off our debt, and here's how we're going to do it. Here's, a, here's our plan, and, and, and stay with me. Stay with, stay with the plan, because in less than four years, in less than four years, if we have a goal, and we have a goal. We've been having this goal since, since at least when I came. I knew that I knew. I didn't know how, but I knew some way, somehow, God was going to use us so that we could get out of debt. And in less than four years, Lord willing, and things continue the way they're going, we will. And we're monetizing this piece of property just, just under four acres up here on the corner of Morado Cove and Jollyville, okay? And as we monetize that land, and they're going to put an apartment complex out there, and they should start breaking ground, I'm going to say February, March, somewhere around, along that time frame. Guys, can I just go ahead and tell you something? It's huge. It's prodigious big, okay? But every time you look at it, just think money. <laughs> no, I'm serious. 
Think, think $5.3 million. And what can a church do with $5.3 million on a piece of land that we're not doing anything with? Okay? So here's what this is going to look like. Next year, we'll receive $300,000 for that piece of property for a ground lease. That's 2018. In 2019, we'll receive $300,000. And in 2020, we'll receive $200,000 from the lease payments. That's three, six, eight. That's $800,000 for them to lease the land from us, okay? Come 2020, September, they will buy the land from us for $4.5 million in addition to the $800,000 they've already given us, okay? So let me tell you where that puts us as a church. If, praise the Lord, we can do it. If we continue to make our $57,000 monthly payment, then come September of 2020, we will owe about $3 million on our debt. Okay? Are y'all following me? Some of y'all looking at me like it's as clear as mud, Pastor. Let me say it again. In 2020, if we keep making our payments, we will owe about $3 million on everything. I mean, that's everything that we have. They will give us $4.5 million. Minus three leaves us with what? $1.5 million in cash. Then take $500,000 that we have in, in a reserve account for debt and put that on it, and now we're sitting on $2 million. Are you with me? And not only will we have $2 million cash in the bank, we will no longer owe $57,000 a month come October 2020. So Great Hills, it's going to look a lot different for us then. It's going, there's not going to be this, this harsh struggle. We're going to have to pray and ask God now what to do with affluence. Y'all hear that? We've got to ask God, what are we going to do with affluence instead of, Lord, please help us, we're going under kind of thing. So that's going to be a, that's going to be a shift for us. Lisa Hall, God bless you, chairman, chairperson of our mission, of our finance committee. She told me the other day, she goes, how many people can we send on a mission trip for $57,000 a month? Praise God, I love that thinking. How many, oh my word, church, how many churches are we going to plant? How many nations are we going to reach? How many people are we going to help? Glory to God. I just, I just almost can't imagine. I just, I just can't, I can't wrap my, my feeble mind, finite feeble mind around. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. So that day's a coming. If I don't pass out, I have a heart attack, I'm going to live to see the day. We're going to celebrate that together. Oh, now let me talk about the rest of it. Brother, you help a brother out with those Kleenexes here. Brother Chase. Okay, okay. Oh, got it, got it, got it. If you're here and you're just alert and you're still with me, say amen. I just need to... Okay, good, good. All right, good. Okay, building vision phase one is done, right? 1.2, a little over 1.2 million it's done. We've raised it. It's over. Now we're going to go to phase two. In phase two, we're going to, 
We're going to raise money. This is going to be very, it's going to thrill you what we're going to raise the money for. I'm just kidding. It's, it's not very flashy. It's the air conditioner. Okay? We've got to do some work on our air conditioning. And come August, my brothers and sisters, you will be glad. Um, well, no, really, come February, my brothers and sisters, you will be glad. It, we're going to need probably around a half a million dollars, right, Terry? And that's not near what we really need, but we, we're going to have to get a half a million. And I'd just love for us to raise it. Just raise it up cash and fix our air conditioning. Here's, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to raise a million dollars. And this million dollars will go toward things like the air condition, the building A, bathrooms. I know that doesn't sound very flashy unless you need to use it, okay? And then you need it to work. Some of the other things we want to do, we want to work on our great hall a little bit. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm really I'm a little embarrassed. When we go into the great hall and we're trying to do a funeral or a wedding or a service and you can't see the screen in the daytime because it's just not strong enough. Now we can fix that. We can fix it. It's just going to cost some money. Probably about $80,000. We can remedy that. So we're going to add that in there. We need a couple of golf carts. There's some other little things we want to put in that in that million dollars, so that's going to be phase two. On your envelopes, it'll say giving tithes, building vision, and missions. And my sweet wife and I, we, we're going to keep on doing it. Giving our tithes, giving a portion above our tithe to our mission ministry. We doubled that, by the way. Praise the Lord, we got to double that last year. And, um, and I had missed it. I had missed it a bit. I mean, God is amazing. You, you do what God tells you to do. He'll, he'll take care of you and then give to our, our building vision. Okay, good. Thank you. It's going to be great. God's going to do this. I don't know how. I don't know when. And I don't know exactly my involvement in it. But we're going to plant a church. And y'all have been hearing me saying this now for two years. And it's just going to happen. In our retreat staff, let's, let's work hard on it. Let's try to, best we can, set some times and dates and goals. But we're going to plant. We're already helping plant in Toronto and Burbank. We're helping those church plants. But this one's going to be different. It's going to take some of our people. It's going to take some of our money. It's going to take our time. And we're going to plant north. Wherever, God knows wherever it is, Liberty Hill, Leander, Cedar Park, Radiant Church of Crystal Falls. I don't know where it'll be. But it, is that north? Help me. Yes. Yes, that's north. Man, I'm so geographically challenged, I get lost in my bathroom. But that's, that's north, all right? <laughs> Stuart, Stuart Smithson is our church plant pastor. And it's going to be exciting. And it's going to happen. I, there's just a lot I don't know. And by the way, can I just ask you all something? Would you all just keep being patient with me? Because there's just so much I do not know. I think sometimes people think the pastor's omniscient. He's not. This one is far from omniscient. If y'all look at me sometimes, so what are you going to do about that? And I have that far away look in my eyes. I'm telling you, I don't know. <laughs> Staff, are y'all listening? I don't know. I, I, when, how, where, I don't, I don't know. But praise God, I'm going to pray and I'm going to work. And I'll find out. That's one thing y'all know about me, right? He may be a little slow. He's a little dull. But once he gets it, he really gets it. Amen. Amen. My Ph.D. came through discipline. 
hard work. And that's what I give to you. That's, I don't have a lot to offer you, but I offer you that I will work hard. And that's why I'm probably going to have to take a sabbatical this year. I'm, I'm probably just going to have to get away for a few months. I probably will. Say, excuse me? Are we going to pay for that? Yeah, you are. And I, I thank you, by the way. <laughs> I thank you. So... Man, I I want to finish, guys. I want to finish well. But I can't finish well dead, right? So y'all help me with that. Deacon Chairman, help me. Help me with that, please. Andy Spencer's been begging me, please, Pastor, you've got to get away. Because I get away for a couple weeks. Y'all know what I did on my vacation? (laughs) I just thought about you. I thought about our church. And I read. And I studied. I said, God, speak to me. These people need a word from you. God, speak to me. And then I go run 10 miles and get dehydrated like an idiot. I tell you, I need help. I do. I just need a lot of help. But I love this church, and I don't want to fail you. I don't. I want us to just bust hell wide open. And here's the thing I know more than any other time in my life, in my ministry, we are becoming this. We are not that. In order to keep doing this, you need a strong leader. And I want to be that. I really do. Just be with me. Be be patient with me. The next thing I want us to do is change the name of our church. And we are. I mean, it's just going to happen. We had our town hall meeting. Thank you, Pastor Ochester, for your note. Encouraging me in this. And we're just going to do it. We're going to change the name to the Radiant Church of Austin. It's going to be awesome. And again, I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know how much it's going to cost. I don't know what all that looks like. I just know what's supposed to happen. And you're supposed to help me. If you're a leader in the church and I give you the vision, you do it. You help me do it. I, I'm not omnipotent and omniscient. I can think of things, but I'm an, I'm an idiot at times. So help me. Just say, that's what we got to do. Then let's, let's just do it. Y'all good with that? Good. Thank you. Help me. Help me, please. Oh, that's going to be exciting. The last thing I want to say is um, I, I want us to be sticky next year. Um, and that, that's my last thing. In, in the Connect Group class classes, I'm going to share with you all in a minute what I mean by being sticky. But for the church at large, do you all know why most people leave our church? Most people leave our church because they get disconnected. Whether it's through a crisis, whether it's through it's a death, a loss of job, or whether it's through somebody hurt their feelings, they get disconnected. And I want us to be a sticky church so that once they get in, you just can't get out. You know what I'm saying? It sticks. And the way we get sticky as a church is we touch each other and we encourage one another and we pray one another and we close the back doors. And I'm telling you guys, Every church in America, and come to some of these meetings that I'm in, every, and I mean every church in Austin, is battling this like the devil they're battling it. Because people in 2016, 17, USA and Austin especially, something is strange going on. And there is this, this movement. And I've watched these pastors, we sit around this table here in Austin, and they're like, 
Well, they got mad and they left, and we're like, probably think, well, did they come to our church? You know, and it's like, it's just like this open door. I don't want us to do that. I want us to be sticky, so that when you come, you stay like a good marriage. You work it out, and and connect group guys. I'm going to share more about that in a minute. Something God showed me that I'm. It's for you, okay? So I'm going to give you that in just a minute. Okay, so as we wrap up, let me. um, let me just tell you, I love you. I believe, I really believe, I believe the greatest days, years are ahead. I believe there's some challenging days ahead. 2017 is supposed to be a very difficult year financially. That's, that's what everything is telling me for our church until we ended 2016. Now I'm just like, I got to quit saying that because I just got to say, God, it's your church and you got to help us like you keep on helping us. It's, it's amazing. I just still can't wrap my mind around how we finished and how we're poised to do those kind of ministries that that kind of Exhibit B church does. So if you're here today and you don't, you don't have a church, you haven't stuck, you haven't plugged in yet, let, then consider this one. Very imperfect, very imperfect person that's leading it. But a church that gets it, a church that is becoming radiant, a church that really wants to touch the heart of the city and the cities of this world and the nations of this world. So why don't you come and let us, let us bring you in the fold, in the family. And, and Kimberly, chase your ride. It is a family. It's a good family. I love her post on Facebook. She just brags on our church and says, man, y'all need a family? Get over to that family. That's a big old family. We love each other. And I like that. And that's a good thing. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord and you're not a part of the family of God, we invite you. The doors are wide open. The gospel is wide open for you to to embrace it and to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, you do it by saying, Lord, I need help. I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you and I need forgiveness. All that joy and all that peace that people talk about, I don't have it. Would you give it to me? And God says, yes. I tell you what, God says, "I'll I'll make a deal with you. You repent and believe on me and I'll take away your sin and all your shame and all that guilt and I'll give you forgiveness and eternal life. What a deal. And I invite you to embrace that. It's a free offer of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we thank you for our time together. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for Great Hills Baptist Church and who she is and what she has represented, who, is she, who she's becoming and will become. God, we give you all the praise. Lord, I thank you for every leader in this church. I thank you for every staff, for every deacon, for every connect group. Leader, Lord, for every committee. For every person, God, that does anything in this church, I thank you for them. And Lord, I pray today that only you can do this, but you would encourage them, that you would inspire them and motivate them to be strong, Lord, and to, and to enjoy these days of harvest and to enjoy these days of goodness and to be faithful in days of difficulty. Father, for the needs that we have in staff, we ask you to, to meet our needs, Lord. For new staff, God, that we need to bring on, would you bring them to us? Father, for those here today, Lord, that... Lord, they feel themselves getting unplugged and, and it... And Lord, you don't want that for them. And I pray that you'd plug them back in. Holy Spirit, only you can really do this, but plug them back into relationship and to service. Father, for those that hurt today, God, I know there are many. Good night. So many, Lord, they're so hurt. 
Lord, they don't know if their marriage is going to make it or not. God, they don't know if their finances are going to make it or not. God, would you tell them that we love them? God, would you tell them that we'll help them? And God, may they have faith in God. He's on his throne. Have faith in God. He watches over his own. He cannot fail. He must prevail. Have faith. Have faith in God. Lord, we pray now that you would, the Holy Spirit, just, just minister and massage those broken spirits and hearts and bodies. And Lord, I, finally, I, I just ask you, God. And Lord, if I could just be so bold to ask you something, would you? Would you please put it on the hearts of people to help? With Hope Clinic, with Education Connection, with ESL. And any other ministry, Lord, that comes through, Lord, our, our denim and pearls, or any other thing, Lord, that we do that can reach and teach and hurt a hurting city, then, Lord, would you put it on people's hearts to do it? May they sign up. I just ask you to do that. God, would you do that for me? Lord, I'm just asking you. Holy Spirit, speak. And the people would say, I will, Lord, I will. In Jesus' name, we pray. Would you stand with me? God bless you. Thank you for being patient. And just stand. Let's have a time of invitation, a time of consecration. As you're standing to your feet, my eyes are, are closed. I'm, I'm, my head's lifted up, but I'm just asking God to just come and minister and move upon us as a church and encourage us. If you need to come forward, praise God, come and let us pray as you come. Let us pray with you and encourage you. Brother Terry, you lead us now as we sing, as we have our invitation.